Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. If you're enjoying this podcast, please follow us using your favorite podcast software. I do want to remind you about our other podcast. In particular, I'll highlight Public Domain Video Theater. It's the video companion to this podcast featuring two public domain television shows or movies per month. Currently, we're playing TV episodes of the series Dangerous Assignment and U.S. Marshal. You can check that out over at videotheater.greatdetectives.net or over on our YouTube channel. Well, now it is time for us to bring you the first two episodes of this week's Yours Truly Johnny Dollar Serial. We will be playing episodes one and two today. If you are of a mind to listen to all five episodes at the same time, then you'll want to pause this podcast, come back on Friday, and you can listen to the first two episodes, and then you can listen to the last three episodes on the same day. But now, from June 4th and June 5th, 1956, here's the indestructible mock matter, episodes 1 and 2. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Johnny Dollar. Pat McCracken, Johnny, Universal Adjustment Bureau. Oh, no. <laughs> How are you, boy? Terrible. Goodbye. Huh? Johnny, what's the matter? Well, the last one you handed me was that phony spiritualist case, and it's still haunting me. Before that, it was Laird Douglas Douglas of Heatherscope. Oh, you made money on him, didn't you? Yeah, I nearly lost my mind. Well, all right, I've got one for you now that'll surely make you lose your mind. Johnny, come on over, huh? Uh, okay. Tonight, and every weekday night, Bob Bailey and the transcribed adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account, America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator... Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. (laughs) Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to the Lakeside Life and Casualty Insurance Company. Following is an accounting of expenditures during my investigation of the indestructible Mike matter. Expense account item one, 80 cents. Cab fare from my apartment at the office of Pat McCracken at Universal Adjustment Bureau. Every one of the cases Pat had handed me lately had been rough. And if it weren't for the loot involved, which is to say Pat never really cracked down on my expense accounts, well, after all, I didn't have any other cases pending, so... Hi, Johnny. Hey, you're looking great. <laughs> Sit down, huh? Cigarette? Or would you like a drink? Well, how are you, boy? <sighs> okay, Pat, let's have it. This one must really be bad. Why, Johnny, what makes you say a thing like that? You sure you wouldn't like just one little one? No, 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 thanks. Right. Now, come on, let's get to the point. What are you trying to get out of paying off on this time? <laughs> you want the truth, Johnny? Nothing. Nothing at all. Just a favor for a friend of mine down in New York. Yeah, who? I want you to go down and see Peter Branson. Branson? 
Any relation to that worrywart Harry Branson of Philly Mutual? Well, his brother. Whoops! Get yourself another boy, Pat. No, 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 Johnny, Johnny. He's as different from Harry as day is from night. Well, he better be. That literal-minded stick in the mud Harry nearly drove me crazy on those two cases I handled for him. Pete is different as day is from night, honest. Now, will you see him? Expense account item two, 21 even. Train fare and all the incidentals I could think of. Hartford to New York. Item three, 55 cents, taxi from Grand Central to Peter Branson's Lakeside Life and Casualty offices at 505th Avenue, where my worst fears were justified. That is correct, Mr. Dollar. I am not only Harry's brother. Don't tell me. You're his twin. Why, yes. How could you have guessed it? Oh, but now, wait a minute. Did you say you took a taxi for the three blocks over from the station? Yep. At least that's what goes on the expense account. Oh, dear, my brother was right. You are expensive, and yet he seems to have the utmost confidence in your ability. Yeah, but now the I... The amazing way in which you settled that Harry, case... Harry, uh, Pete. Yes? What's the case that's bothering you? Isn't that interesting? I don't know yet. Tell me about it. I mean, you're starting to call me Harry because of my twin. Oh, yeah. Better tell me about the case. You know, a great many of our mutual friends... What? Oh, Oh, yes, of course. Michael Jeremiah Flynn, a terribly serious matter. If this sort of thing ever gets out of hand... Who's Flynn? John, he is a bum. Aren't we all? A regular, typical, movie-type version of a Bowery bum. So? And unfortunately, he holds a $50,000 policy. Well, he must have seen better days to carry that much insurance. Never. Never, I'm sure of it. No human being could degenerate to such a state in a mere 47 years. And he looks and sounds like 67. Also, by the way, his policy is only two months old. Well, what's happened? Somebody knocked him off? No, but I am sure somebody's going to. Well, then why did you insure him? It was Martha who was really responsible. Oh, she? Martha Ingersoll, the girl I had working for me here in the office at the time he applied for the policy. I was out sick for a couple of weeks, and I'm afraid that when I came back, I did not pay sufficient attention to the application she'd accepted. At least so far as Flynn's policy is concerned. You better tell me about it. Oh, of course, he passed his medical all right, though heaven knows how. And his cash payment of the premium was all right. Yes, yes, cash. But I still should have investigated myself before allowing the policy to be issued. Look, you still haven't told me what's wrong. Now, of course, it's too late. Pete. Mm -hmm. Oh, oh, of course. Well, it's simply this. The home address that we have for him has turned out to be the Glad Hand Rescue Mission just off Fulton Street near the Fulton Market. Yeah, biggest fish market in the world, isn't it? Well, yes, yes. A fascinating place. Ships loaded with fish from all the seven seas. Colorful characters speaking a dozen different tongues. Yeah, well, uh, I'm sorry I interrupted what you were saying oh, about Oh, that's Michael. all right. That's all right. I'm quite a connoisseur of seafood, you know. Real epicure, if I do say so. Have you ever tasted Boston Scrod? Yeah, sure. Uh, now, let's get back to the case. Oh, oh, yes, Michael Flynn. Michael Flynn, that's right. Well, Mr. Dollar, John... It's simply because of what's happened before that I'm so worried about this one. After all, 50000 is a sizable policy. And what has happened before? The same thing. So you can see. Harry, uh, Pete, I can't see a thing. John, it's like the Angus Cormac matter back in 47, like the old Mother McCrary affair that happened. Trying to tie Peter Branson down to the facts of the case was exactly like trying to tie his brother Harry down, only more so. I had to keep reminding myself that all of Harry's assignments had paid off handsomely for me and keep hoping the same would be true of his brother. Three separate times in the next 15 minutes, Pete launched forth on the Epicurean delights of seafood. And three times I vainly tried to steer him back to port. Finally, I threatened to walk out on him unless he got down to business. All right. All right, John, I'll give it to you in black and white. Oh, not literally, of course. I mean, I'll tell you from the beginning. boy. Now... Four times within the past few years, this very same sort of policy has been issued. To some penniless, worthless bum. Yes, and everything is indicated fraud. How do you mean? 
In only one case were the police able to prove anything, the case of Maggie Dolly Varden Smith. Oh, yeah. Seems to me I remember that. Some racketeer ex-bootlegger. Correct. Candy Kid yeah. Schultz. Yeah. He insured the old derelict for twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000, had himself named beneficiary. That is correct. And then he had old Maggie murdered. Of course you remember. And you think you've got the same sort of a situation here? Yes, John, I'm afraid so. And you can't cancel the policy unless there's proof of an attempt at fraud. Correct. So you can see why I'm so deeply concerned over this. Oh, if only I hadn't left Martha Ingersoll in charge while I was sick. Who's named as beneficiary in the policy? Well, she did sell some good policies. What? Hmm? Beneficiary. Oh, yes, uh, here, here it is. Uh, John Wesley Cosgrave, 621 East 49th Street here in Manhattan. Mm -hmm. What do you know about him? Nothing, really. And frankly, I'm afraid to find out. John? Yeah, yeah, I'll look into it. And what's the address of this rescue mission where old Michael hangs out? It's down near the big Fulton Fish Market. Uh, let me see. Here, why don't you give me that whole folder so I can get what I want from it? Of course, John. But I am sorely afraid there isn't much to get. I'm sorely afraid Peter was right. Why not had to start somewhere? Item 4280, taxi back to Grand Central to pick up the bags I'd parked there, and the same taxi to a slightly dingy little hotel a couple of blocks off Chambers Street on the Lower East Side. Item 5, $9.83 to a secondhand clothing store where I outfitted myself in hat, coat, pants, shirt, shoes, and socks that I hoped would make me eligible for a spot on a bench at the Glad Hand Rescue Mission. When I finally shuffled into the place, which looked more like a cheap flop house than a mission, I felt somewhat like a kid playing tramp at Halloween. Welcome, brother. Welcome to the mission. I'm Daddy Bill. Hi. The entrance to the soup kitchen is over at the side, you know. Yeah, well, I, I just want to sit down for a spell, rest my feet. And have you a bed for the night, brother? Oh, who knows? I'll make out. Well, there's always room for one more, you know. Will you be here for our meeting tonight? Well, uh, I you don't know. You have an excellent singing voice, I can tell. Are you sure you don't want something to eat, my boy? No, no, I'm all right. Well, then, just sit and be comfortable and we can talk. I, uh, I kind of hope maybe I might run into Mike. Mike? Flynn. Oh, yes, of course. Michael lives here. Spends most of his evenings with us, poor fellow. Although I really shouldn't say that. Huh? Say what? Poor fellow. After all, he's also one of our biggest contributors, too, when he's sober. Although where his money comes from, I'll never know. Yeah, well... Although I'm sure it's money honestly gained. Michael's very religious. He's taken the pledge many times, many. Has a lot of money now and then, huh? Yes. He seemed to think he might have a contribution for us when he comes back tonight. But you don't know where he gets it. My boy, I never ask these personal things of the brothers. Now, tell me all about you. You're from out of town, aren't you? I can tell. This was something I hadn't anticipated, and I had to rack my brain to come up with a story that would convince Daddy Bill I was a bum. When I could get a word in edgewise, that is... And the kindly, gabby old biddy proceeded to tell me in minute detail the life history of all of the habitués of his mission. All, that is, except the one I was interested in, Mike Flynn. Maybe he was suspicious of me. Afraid I might be trying to get my hands on some of the money old Mike frequently showed up with. Generous in the extreme, John. That's why I feel I must protect him from some of the people who come in here and might try to take advantage of him. Sure, Daddy, you're Responsibility right. for the care and welfare of the brothers weighs heavily upon me sometimes, but it's a burden I'm glad to bear. Yeah, well, Feed um... their stomachs and feed their souls. That is my task. You say you think... And you... as I say, it's a task I'm privileged to assume. After all, whom else have they to lean on? You think, Mike, Will be back here tonight? Oh, yes, John, I'm sure he will. Oh, but listen. Hmm? The quartet in the, uh, well, we call it in the music room. 
Can you hear them? Oh, yeah. yeah. They're getting ready for the meeting tonight. Aren't they wonderful? Beautiful voices. Yeah, they ain't bad at that. You're sure you won't join them? Oh, no, I, uh, <clears throat> some other time, huh? Now, when well, whatever can... you say, but if you're going to stay here long, my boy, with that wonderful voice of yours, I can tell. I will insist that you join one of our singing groups. Yeah, Bob Mike again. Oh, you... dear, did you hear that? Someone hit a sour note. Poor boys, they just can't get along without my help. You'll just have to excuse me, John, mm. while I go back there and lead for them. I'll come back later. We'll talk I don't know whether it was the overuse of steam heat in the battered old assembly hall of the mission or having listened to two solid hours of Daddy Bill's talk about his boys. Whatever it was, I was tired. And since I had nothing better to do than wait for Mike Flynn to show up, I, I stretched out on one of the hard benches and closed my eyes. <sighs> How long I slept, I haven't the least idea. I'd managed to conjure up a mighty sweet dream, too. Bill! What? Daddy, Bill! What? What? Uh... Oh. oh, there. Oh, hold it, fella. Hey, you've had a couple too many. Yes, I guess I had a... Bill! Oh, he's out back working with a quartet now. Come on over here and lie down. Yes, I guess old Michael... Michael? <laughs> Michael Jeremiah Flynn, sir. Mike. And I guess... I guess... I guess I have had a couple... A couple too many was right, but not of what I'd thought. His tattered coat opened as he fell, and there, just below the heart, two dark red splotches slowly widened on his ragged shirt. And it looked like Peter Branson was right. The beneficiary of Michael Jeremiah Flynn's life insurance policy was anxious to collect. Johnny Dollar. John, this message I found when I came in. Yeah, Pete, somebody took a couple of shots at your $50,000 client, Mike Flynn. Well, is he... will he die? From the looks of things last night, he may pull through in spite of the two slugs in him. I hope so. Do you know who did it? No idea, but I'm going to try to talk to him. Have you talked to the beneficiary? Not yet. First, I want whatever information I can get from Mike, if he's still alive. Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar, location New York, New York. Attention Peter Branson, Lakeside Life and Casualty Insurance Company. Following is an accounting of expenditures during my investigation of the indestructible Mike matter. Expense account item six, 55 cents. Taxi to the neighborhood of the Glad Hand Rescue Mission, where Daddy Bill, a general factotum, had promised to take the best of care of Michael Jeremiah Flynn. He'd given Mike a room to himself on the second floor, and what a room. What wallpaper was left hung in shreds from the cracked plaster. The shades on the dirty windows were tattered and torn. A single bare fly-speck light bulb hung on a cord from the ceiling. The floor was bare, and the only furniture was a battered chest of drawers, an ancient washstand with a cracked pitcher and bowl, and a sagging iron bed on which old Mike Flynn lay. Come in. Come in here. Hi. You must be the man who helped me into the mission last night. Yeah, yeah. My name's Johnny Dollar. Come up to see how you're making out. Well, I'm much obliged to you, Johnny. I'm real obliged to you. Well, 
How are you feeling this morning? Me? Oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. Never felt better. <laughs> sit down. Sit down. Well, what did the doctor, the daddy Bill, got for you have to say? The doctor for me? Oh, now, Johnny, you must be joking. <laughs> joking? After you had a couple of slugs tear through you? Here, let me help you. Oh, you want to see him? Sure, sure. Now, wait a minute. Now, just look for yourself here. Ah, you see? See? They just went through my side here, in the front, and out the back. Holy. Oh, see, aren't they healing up nicely? Why, that one couldn't have missed your heart by more than three inches. But it did. <laughs> yes, it did. Not nearly so close as this scar, though. What? Want to see this scar? Look at it right here. Hey, was that a bullet wound, too? No, no, oh, no, Johnny. That was just an old ice pick or something. Huh? Somebody in the crowd during that fire down at the battery line. Oh, wasn't that a beautiful fire, Johnny? Did you see that? Oh. But what did these slugs do to you inside? Oh, you must be... To me? Oh, not a thing. Well, I'm so durable. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Did you say there was another attempt on your life last week? No, 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 of course not. Just an accident like those shots last night. You think that was an accident? <clears throat> Why, don't you? Do you know who fired them? Oh, Johnny, I haven't the least idea. Well, no. Where did it happen? I was right here in the mission, and I didn't hear any shots. Oh, dear, no. I was down near my private place. Where's that? <sighs> Where's that, Mike? Well, I'll tell you, Johnny. It's this way. Daddy Bill and the others here at the mission are real nice to me. Oh, they're real nice. You can see by this lovely private room that they fixed up for me. Uh, yeah. yeah. And they'd like for me to stay here all the time. I guess Daddy Bill thinks if I'm here most of the time, I might not drink so much and keep getting into those kind of... Oh, say, do you ever enjoy a little drink, Johnny? Well, on occasion. But you were going to tell yes, me... Here. Oh, here. Now, I've got a little bottle tucked under the mattress here, Sam. Ah, ah, here it is. <laughs> what under the sun is that? That, that? that color, that pink? Yes, that's my favorite, that pink. A straight whiskey costs so much. Even when I have the money now and then. You know something? I like a little bit more kick in mine. I guess it's kind of a hangover from prohibition days. <laughs> so I mix a little kick into it. Here, Johnny, I want you to try this. Well, I... Uh, yeah, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, you like this. Oh, oh what a wallop. Well. <laughs> what the Samuel? Yes, what that sterno. Oh. That's what I add to it, just a little bit of sterno. <laughs> what? Mike, this stuff will kill you. Oh, I've been drinking that for years. Look at me, the picture of health. Oh, mm, Mike, just listen take a little to me. Sip. I'm going to get ah. you a doctor. <laughs> no, no, you're not. I won't stand for it. But you've been shot. Oh, no. Just gave me a little twinge or two last night, but now I feel fine. Well, you fell flat on your face when you came in here. Oh, now listen, Johnny. Don't you tell Daddy Bill, but I'm afraid it wasn't the bullets last night. It was uh, <laughs> overindulgence. Oh, brother, I give up. <laughs> no, no, don't say that, Johnny. <laughs> oh, all right, then how did it happen? Well, I was on my way back here when the car drove by. Oh? Yeah, it sounded to me like a couple of backfires or two, but <laughs> then I felt this little uh, sting on my side, and that's it. And you call that an accident? Well, of course, the men in the car were probably just having a little friendly eye. How argument. many men? <laughs> Well, I'm not sure. I think there were only two of them. I waved at them. What kind of a car? Black. Well, what make, could you tell? Well, it was shiny and it was new. See, I wish I had a car, Johnny. Well, look, Mike, I'm on a level with you. Oh? I'm an insurance investigator. Insurance? Well, my... Well, say, that's interesting, Johnny. Say, let's have a little drink on that while you tell me no, about no, that. No, 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 thanks. <clears throat> and there isn't much to tell. 
Except that I'm here to try to save your life, among other things. Well, now, I don't understand. I'm getting along all right. I, I've been living it up here in the Bowery for years. Maybe you were getting along okay until you took out that big insurance policy. Yeah, oh, say, wasn't that nice of Mr. Cosgrave? Now, all my life, I wanted to have some life insurance. You know, it gives you a kind of feeling of importance and security. So when he came down here one night and I told him that... Why, say, his eyes just lit up and he said he was going to make me a present of some insurance. Who is this Cosgrave? How much do you know about him? Oh, oh, he's wealthy. I know that much about him. He has a beautiful car and a chauffeur. Does he come down here often? Oh, now and then. Just now and then. Why? Uh, uh, Now, I've often wondered about that, Johnny. So one time I asked Daddy Bill, and he said that years ago when Mr. Cosgrave was young, he came to the mission for help, and Daddy Bill gave it to him. Well, what does he do when he's here? Oh, he brings some food for the brothers. The brothers, that's what Daddy Bill calls us. And some money, and he always gives jobs to a couple of men who've drifted in here. What kind of jobs, Mike? You know, that's something I don't know. You see, they never come back here again. Maybe it's because they can't. What's that? Uh, What'd you say, Johnny? Mike, I'm going to give it to you straight. To me, the whole thing smells to high heaven. To me, this Cosgrave sounds like a racketeer. Oh, no, I may no, be no. wrong. I'll know better when I meet him. And I intend to do that as soon as possible. But right this minute, I bet that he comes down here for only one purpose. To recruit help for some sort of illegal job. Oh, that's a terrible thought, John. When he heard you say you'd like insurance, he jumped at the chance. And why not? Let you name him as beneficiary and then have you knocked off. <gasps> oh, no, John. That ice pick in your side was no accident, Mike. No more than the shots at you last but night. But he's been so nice. Sure, of course he has. He can afford to. After all, your body's worth $50,000 to him. And that's what you're going to be, Mike, just a body. Unless I can do something about oh, it. Oh, such a nice man, too, really. How has he been getting this money to you? In an envelope. By mail? Usually it's just left here at the mission. By whom? Well, nobody ever seems to know. It's just a plain envelope. It's dropped in the mail. No it's return like... address? No, 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 no. But I'm sure it comes, Mr. Cosgrave. Uh, say, come to think about it. Say, there was one due yesterday. Every Monday, you know. But Daddy Bill said it didn't arrive. Well, maybe it'll be here today. And you know something? I'd like to see it delivered. <laughs> no, you and I. You can't kid me, Johnny. You'd like to see who delivers it. <laughs> oh, say, why don't we go downstairs and wait and see? No, easy there, Mike. You're a sick man. <laughs> oh, you can't... stop talking that way, sick. Up we go. Oh, no, you can't. In all it, right. It, it, it. Here, let me give you a hand. No, 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 no. no. I'm all right. I'm all right. Oh, say, look at that. Look at that. Daddy Bill left my shoes here by the bed for me. Oh. Brother, now I've seen everything. Yeah, I put my shoe in here. Ah, there. Now, there we are, all dressed. I don't know how you do it, Mike. Uh, 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 shall we go downstairs? Sure. Lead the way. All right, here. Well, the envelope should be there, because it always comes in the morning when there's nobody here. <laughs> you know, when Daddy Bill's out shopping and... Just the door to the assembly room is open for any poor lost soul who wants to come in, wait for the chow line to open. Well, we'll see. We'll see. And then we'll go to my private place. (laughs) You see, there are two things I like, Johnny. Yeah? Solitude and crowds of people. (laughs) Oh, look at that, Johnny. Look at that. (laughs) There's mail there by the door. (laughs) You see? Ah. Here's my envelope. And my name's on it, too. Wait, Mike. (laughs) It's all right. It's all right. It's all right. Ah, ah, you see there, Johnny? A $20 bill. Whee! Let me have that envelope (laughs) for possible proof. Oh, yes, yes. Here you are, Johnny. Now we can go out, you and I. We can have a real... Well, now, Johnny, look at that. A 
package for me, too. Hey, easy, Mike. Let me have that. No, 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 no. I know what you're thinking. <laughs> An infernal machine or something. That's exactly <laughs> what I'm thinking. But you didn't hear it gurgle. <laughs> oh. Well, look at it, Johnny. Well, joyous be one for you and one for me. Easy, Mike. I want to carry this one in the wrapping paper. <laughs> oh, fingerprints, huh? That's right, Mike. I'm going to take you back upstairs and lock you in your room. Uh-huh. You're to stay there. Let nobody in, not even Daddy Bill, until I get back oh, here. But Do Johnny... what I say. And just remember that I'm trying to save your life. <laughs> Item 7, 270. Cab fare uptown to the 18th Precinct Station. The lab boys took over three hours while Randy Singer and I talked about cases that we'd handled together in the past. I asked him to dig up whatever he could for me on John Wesley Cosgrave, the man named as beneficiary of Mike's insurance policy. This he promised to do. Finally, a slim, intelligent-looking lieutenant walked in and handed Randy a neatly typed report of the lab's findings in connection with the liquor bottle and envelope I'd given him. Hmm. Oh, Randy? Nah, not much, I'm afraid, Johnny. Apparently the only prints were those made by the old man and you. Proof that somebody's been pretty darn careful not to be identified. Yeah, that's what... Hey, wait a minute. Huh? Seal on the bottle had been tampered with, so the lab boys opened it. That bottle contained enough wood alcohol to kill an army. Now, if that old boy drinks the way you Good said... Good Lord, Randy. See you later. Item 8, 10 bucks even. Taxi fare and tip back to the Glad Hand Rescue Mission. I don't know how the driver did it, but he skinned through practically every red light on the route. And I soundly cursed myself for having left Mike with the other bottle. The place was apparently still empty when I pounded up the stairs to the second floor in Mike's room. At least he kept his room locked as ordered. Mike! Mike! Mike, are you all right? Mike! He was stretched out on the old iron bed, his face drawn even whiter than the pillow on which his head rested. The half-empty bottle lay where he dropped it on the floor beside him. And I got a sob for the stupid, careless, unthinking way in which I... Mike! Johnny, what a hangover this is going to be. Now, here's our star to tell you about tomorrow's intriguing episode of this week's story. Tomorrow, the would-be beneficiary of Indestructible Mike turns out to be a very interesting and dangerous man. Join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, starring Bob Bailey, is transcribed in Hollywood. It is produced and directed by Jack Johnstone, who also wrote tonight's story. Be sure to join us tomorrow night, same time and station, for the next exciting episode of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar, Roy Rowan speaking.
Welcome back. While I think other writers tend to use the extended length of the serials to expand the story and to make it fuller, Johnstone can sometimes use the uh, expanded runtime to pad the story, as evidenced by the fact that we get meetings uh, between Johnny and both Pat McCracken and Harry, or Peter Branson. Regarding Henry's identical twin brother with an identical personality, I wonder what it was like for their parents to have both of them around or for them to be in an argument with one another on a long car trip. If they were both in the same room, you wonder how long it would take to get to the point of any discussion or would one of them be able to get the other to the point? I don't think we'll ever find the answers to these in story, but it does make you wonder. Also, since we did spend so much time talking about fish markets, the current top fish market in the world in 2023 is actually uh, the Tejuk. Kiji uh, fish market in Tokyo, where you can actually get many fish that are not technically legal in the United States. Of course, this was recorded 11 years after the end of World War II, so it may not have been number one at the time this episode was uh, recorded. The Fulton Fish Market actually moved out of Manhattan and into the Bronx in 2005, And there's a debate as to whether it's the best fish market in the U.S. Uh, Others suggest Pike's Place Market in Seattle. And there are advocates of other fish markets making their arguments in the culinary set. Now, on a non-fish related note, there's a weird issue at the start given Johnstone's dedication to continuity. Johnny says Pat gave him the Laird Douglas Douglas matter, but Pat McCracken had nothing to do with that case. That was all on Harry Branson. And again, I don't know, maybe Johnny just loses track sometimes. All right, well, uh, listener comments and feedback, and we turn to our listener survey, and we start uh, with Bruce in Rancho Santa Margarita, California, who writes, always a delight to encounter your podcast. Russ in Portage, uh, Indiana writes, this is the only way to settle in under the covers at night. Uh, thank you so much for keeping these on the air. Always enjoy your sharing background information and commentary from Andrea in Wisconsin. What fun. Thanks so much from the old bike guy in Portsmouth, Virginia. Uh, I enjoy this show daily. Adam makes great choices and is very informative before and after the shows. Thank you for everything. And that's from Kevin in Brooksville, Florida. And another listener writes, really addictive, great uh, presentation, interesting. And uh, Mike from New Jersey writes, he's been a loyal fan of Adam for more than a decade. I still listen to Johnny Dollar almost every night. Well, thank you so much, Mike. And then on Facebook, Alina writes, I just love Johnny Dollar. Thank you, Adam, for these podcasts. Well, thank you so much, Alina. I appreciate your comment. Now it is time to thank our Patreon supporter of the day. 
Thank you to Daryl, Patreon supporter since September of 2022, currently supporting the program at the Shamus level of $4 or more per month. Thank you so much for your support, Daryl. And that will do it for today. If you're enjoying this podcast, please follow us using your favorite podcast software. Be sure to rate and review the podcast wherever you download it from. We will be back on Friday with the conclusion of this week's Yours Truly Johnny Dollar Serial. But join us back here tomorrow for Dangerous Assignment, where... I spend the rest of the afternoon scouting the dock area just in case the girl's message doesn't reach Morgan. Fine luck is all bad. I can't find a single skipper who's willing to run the blockade, let alone face a hail of poisoned arrows. The setting sun hangs over the horizon like a big orange as I wander back to the hotel. The girl is already there, waiting for me in the lobby. Oh, I'm sorry I'm late. Or are you early? Your message was delivered, Mr. Mitchell. Good. What's Morgan's answer? Well, I don't quite understand, but... What did he say? Uh, Two words, Mr. Mitchell. Drop dead... I hope you'll be with us then. In the meantime, do send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram. Instagram.com slash greatdetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.